Welcome to the Grove. My name is Eric Matoy, pastor of the Grove, and, and we're thrilled you're here. We're in a series called Better Than That, and I'm excited for this series uh, just because it's uh, encouraging us to look beyond what we face on a given, uh, any given day, the circumstance we find ourselves in. Uh, so we want to say welcome to all those listening online, our podcast, which is watching Facebook Live. Um, thank you for, for listening, and thank you guys for coming today. So far, we've talked through a few different things in this series, Better Than, better than That. Now, the first one is better, a better dream. Um, I, we wanted you to know that God has a better dream than the American dream, which is good news because the American dream is a pretty cool dream, and God's dream is better than that. God's dream is better than the Republican dream, better than the Democratic dream. Um, it, it's better than whatever dream you can think of. And so we kicked off the start, series talking about that. No matter what happened during the elections, God is still God. He's on the throne. We can trust him for good things, for better things, and he wants to invite us into that. So it's good news that, that, that he has better dreams for our life. We said this. We said circumstances. They don't create the condition of our heart, but circumstances reveal the condition of our heart. When we find ourselves in any, any given circumstance, whether it's financial struggles, relational struggles, uh, cu- cultural struggles, you know, with, with politics going on and, and different ideas and philosophies out there. When we find ourselves in circumstances that we don't like, sometimes we do like them, sometimes we don't. Um, what, what happens is, is our heart is all of a sudden isn't, isn't moved by those things. It's not like all of a sudden that created our, our heart issues um, or the condition of our heart, but rather it reveals what's already been there the whole time. And so when, when we find ourselves in a situation, pay attention to what you're feeling because the indication for where your heart is and what your heart is focused on, when, especially when you find yourself in circumstances. I think this is why God allows us to go through hard things sometimes because he wants us to reveal in us what's really there. Sometimes that's a really good thing. You realize, man, I have more enemy than I thought. And sometimes it's like, oh, wow, where'd that anger and jealousy and envy and where'd that stuff come from? Well, there's your heart, the condition of your heart maybe is not healthy, and he's trying to help bring that to the surface. So we said better dreams for our lives. Last week we talked about better action. God has better action and better plans for your life to accomplish things way more than you, something bigger than you ever thought you could ever accomplish through life. He has a better plan for your life. Um, he wants to invite you in that. We talked about the story of Nehemiah last Sunday uh, in the Bible, the Old Testament book called Nehemiah. It's written after the, the leader who inspired a, a, a country and really a city to be able to, to, to fix something that was broken, um, that had been broken for a long time. And so he inspired better action and, and better uh, impact in, into his nation. And we said this is the kind of impact God wants us to have. And so we said a few things about the story of Nehemiah. Is, is one, uh, if we're going to make a difference in our world, it has to start at home. Like it has to start with us. We have to take responsibility uh, for, for our part all the time. It always starts with us. We can't blame everybody else, but say, what's my role in this? Uh, figure out what your role is and find a need that you can meet. We challenge you guys just to do something. A lot of times, because there's so many needs out there, we get overloaded and we just don't do anything because we, do, we can't fix everything, so we just choose not to do anything. That's still a choice. We said you have to do something. Action is required. Um, when, he, when Nehemiah heard the state that his, his country was in, his city was in, he sat down and wept and cried, and then he prayed and asked God, what, what is my part in this to fix things? How can I help the people around me that are going through this? So that was part two, better action. Today I want to talk about better outcomes. All right? Every single one of us in this room I know wants to have better outcomes in some aspect of our life, uh, whether it's uh, relationally, uh, in our marriage, uh, parenting, in our jobs. Uh, financially, we all want better outcomes. So we're we're getting close to wrapping up this year, 2016. It's it's really easy to look back and and, and begin to determine now that we get close to the to the new year is what exactly did I accomplish? What things were good? What things were not good? What things were bad? Like the outcomes that we produced in 2016 came from somewhere. And so we want to talk about how God has better outcomes for our life. 
Uh, when computers first started becoming popular, there was a saying, uh, G-I-G-O, GIGO. Um, and the saying, what it stands for is garbage in, garbage out. I don't know if you guys have ever heard this saying. Maybe you haven't. The idea was when a computer, when you get a computer, um, the only things on that computer are things that you put into it. So if you put good inputs into your computer, you'll get good outputs into the computer. If you find that your computer has a lot of negative and bad stuff on it, it's because somebody at some point decided to put that into the computer. Our life is the exact same way. The things that we choose to put into our life will eventually come out. So if we're feeding ourselves with garbage, what's going to come out? Garbage. So the way we speak, the way we think, all those things will eventually come out. Output is determined by input. So in our lives, the, the outcomes that we get are because of the inputs and the decisions we've made in life. So looking back at 2016, as we get closer to wrap up this year, what things are you proud of? What things do you wish you did differently? Well, the good news is 2017 is going to start. What are those things that you need to begin thinking about that you need to change as you go into the new year? Uh, I heard a great st- statement this week. It sa- uh, was this. It says, a negative mind will never give you a positive life. A negative mind will never give you a positive life. If you always say negative stuff to yourself and talking negative, self-talk bad, um, it's, that's never going to produce anything good. Like if you're talking yourself into how horrible you are, all this stuff, that's never going to produce anything good in your life. In fact, my, my uh, wife this, this week, she put this great statement on Facebook. She said, of all the people on the planet, you talk to yourself more than anyone. That is so true, right? So out of everybody in this world, we talk to ourselves the most. Like our voice is the most recognized voice in our life, like what we say to ourselves. She said this, make sure you were saying the right things. What are you saying? And she had somebody text her that day and said, this was so for me because I was having such a horrible day and I realized I could change this by what I'm saying to myself and what I'm allowing in. So our inputs will determine our output. The things that we allow in our life, the decisions that we make on a daily basis will determine the outcomes that will be produced in our lives. A lot of times people are waiting for, well, I'm waiting to have better outcomes when I have the right resource, or when I have the right information. Like one day I'm going to be able to accomplish that thing. I'm just waiting for the right piece of the puzzle to come. Well, that's not always true because you can get all the right information. How many of you guys have gone to a doctor and they say you need to do this? And you're like, that's good advice. That's, I should do that, but I don't really feel like it. I'm going to do this instead. Or whatever area of life, schooling, they, they tell you this is the path you should take. And you're like, that sounds good, but I'm going to do my own thing. Because the truth is this. We want what we want no matter what others say. It's not information that determines our output outcomes. Um, we all a lot of times have the same information. It's the choices we make. We want what we want no matter what God says a lot of times. It's just a choice we make to say, no, my heart wants what it wants, and I'm going to do what I want to do no matter what they say. Well, then we get the results that are going to come after those choices. We want what we want no matter how much it costs a lot of times. If you look back at your life this year, what are those? have you, have you maybe incurred some more debt? Have you made choices that you aren't proud of? Well, at some point, you decided to have that even though it's going to cost more in the long run. Right? It's going to cost you in, relationally. It's going to cost, cost you more financially. Well, we want what we want, so we just go ahead and do it. But then we're disappointed with the outcome because it didn't produce what we wanted because it was a short-term fix. It was a short-term solution to something that we were trying to solve in our life. So it's not a lack of information that, that leads to poor outcomes. There's actually the real, the real problem with our outcomes is this. It's not information. It's not resources. The real problem is independence. One of the challenges we face as people, and this is the Bible it addresses a lot, is God gave us this gift of free will. And it is a gift. It's a good thing. Independence is not a bad thing, but it can be because it's an impulse that we have to always want to do our own thing. And sometimes our own thing is not always the best thing. Why? Because we're human, and we feel things that aren't always the truth. We feel something that's maybe not necessarily the real thing. We see things that look better than they do, and we assume that's what we should go after. So it's not the real problem is not 
um, information or resources or other things. It's, it's, it's our independence. Um, and the enemy knows this. In fact, he uses that impulse against us. We talked about Adam and Eve um, last week a little bit and the week before. So when the enemy was trying to deceive Adam and Eve, he went for those impulses of independence, saying, uh, what, what did he say? Did, did God really say you can't eat of the tree? Like, you know, that, sounds like, that doesn't sound like a loving God to me. He's trying to hold something back from you. Like, he's trying to keep something good from you. That's not a loving God. Doesn't God want you to be happy? And we'll tell ourselves this sometimes. Like, yeah, doesn't God want me to be happy? Like, this thing's going to make me happy. It's not always about being happy. And, and, and the enemy will use those impulses. We'll use those impulses against ourselves sometimes and, and choose something immediate rather than doing the right thing that's going to give us a better outcome. Because God does want us to be happy. But sometimes the happiness he has for us is way better than the immediate happiness of a quick solution, a quick fix that we have now. Um, in fact, one of the things he's always addressing is that he's wanting us to find maturity in our lives. He wants us to mature and grow and become healthy individuals, healthy people. That we can use our independence for something that's productive, not something that's destructive. And he invites us into that. In fact, some of the, the tally marks of immaturity, I'm going to give you a list of them. Marks of immaturity are this, a lack of perspective. When we find ourselves in a circumstance we don't like, sometimes we get stuck focused on the wrong thing. It's lack of perspective. Waiting is not an option. An immature person cannot wait because they have to have it now. It's just a, la- it's, it's a, it's a tell sign of some it's immature. They, can't, they don't have patience. They can't wait for something better. They need it now. Compromise is a dirty word. We have to have our way, have to have it now. Sometimes it's not, always, every, not every battle has to be fought. Sometimes you can just be quiet and let the battle write itself out, and you'll realize like that wasn't that big of a deal. Just let it write itself out sometimes. Everything is equally important. It's a sign of an immature person where everything is, matters. Not everything matters. There's some things in your life that will give you better outcomes if you pay attention to them. Everything is black and white. Immature person thinks everything has to be fair, but there's a lot of nuances in life. And, and mature people know that. There's a lot of different nuances that come. It's not always clean cut. We always don't know the exact thing to do. It, we, have to, we have to learn to look beyond just black and white. There's something more there sometimes. And then the last one is this. Immediate consequences are the only consequences that matter. An immature person only cares about the things that are going to affect them right now. They don't understand that buying something they can't afford is going to ring up a lot of debt, and one day they're going to pay it back, and it's going to cause more financial strain in their life. Um, I understand that. There's times of immaturity in my life where we rang up debt for things because we wanted it. And then that down the road, it's like, man, that costs a lot more than we really thought it was going to cost. And it, 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 challenged, it brings more challenges. As a church, we want to challenge people to become mature. Healthy people do healthy things, right? We say a lot. Well, part of that is learning to mature and, and to grow up. And if you want a list of a mature person, just look at the opposite of that list. And you begin to recognize and say, oh, do I have the opposite of these things in my life? If so, then you have maturity. If you don't, then you probably need to say, I need help. I need help with this. Uh, C.S. Lewis has a great quote, quote in his book, From Mere Christianity, a book where uh, he's challenging people just to, to follow Christ. Um, and, and he says this, this quote about those individuals, especially Christian individuals, who made the biggest contribution and the biggest difference on the earth. They were focused on something. And this is what he says. He says, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just, were just those who thought the most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective. Ineffective in this. He says, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. He's saying your perspective has to be correct. You always have to think of the big picture. You have to be thinking down the road. Be thinking about the, the, um, the outcome that's going to be coming down the road. See, in the Bible, it isn't talking in, in a series of years and even four years. 
Our nation is stuck in a four-year cycle a lot of times because of the political thing that goes on. And we get stuck in these four-year cycles or these two-year cycles, whatever it is. And it's short-term thinking. And we assume the circumstances we find ourselves in can be fixed in another four years. And it won't happen like that. As long as we think that way and we push it down the road, push it down the road, eventually it's going to cost more. It's going to be more difficult to overcome or to fix. We have to learn to be people that are always working on the right things now. See, the story that we find ourselves in, you know, you might find yourself in a, a, a very undesirable circumstance right now, financially, relationally, whatever situation. You think, I don't really like what's going on here. Well, it's, it's a good chance that what you're in right now is only a paragraph in the whole story. It might just be a page. And in some cases, it might just be a chapter. Don't let that chapter define your whole life. And don't let that chapter define how your outlook on life for the rest of your life. Learn to say there's another chapter that's coming. So this chapter sucks, but the next chapter, man, it might be a whole lot better. If we will push through, we'll keep moving. In the Bible, if we look at the stories throughout, throughout um, the, 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 the stories that God used, it wasn't done in, in, in a year or two years, three years. Sometimes it was in centuries that these stories unfolded. And you, you read the first part of the story, and you're thinking, this is horrible. They're losing. They're, they're, they're in a horrible circumstance or a horrible, horrible situation. And, and that is a very setup for the thing that God wants to do later down the road. And he's asking people, all right, you're not going to understand this, but do you just trust me? Do these things now so that in 100 years, the next generations that come behind you will have success. Just trust me now. It's not going to feel like you're making a big difference, but trust me now so that the next people that come along the road will be able to make, a, make, make more sense of their lives. And if you read just one chapter of the story, you're going to think, this is not a good story. Like, they should just give up and quit. But if you read the next chapter and the chapter after that, you begin to see that God uses those very things that we thought were horrible to actually become something very beautiful, something good. He turns around the worst of situations to, have, to make them the best of situations. In the story of Nehemiah, we find this because everything we do in life, it will echo into eternity. This is good or bad. It'll, it'll, we can be life givers and produce life all around us, or we can be life destroyers and take people's um, hopes and dreams with us and away from us. In Nehemiah 6.15, so the story of Nehemiah last week we started on, um, God had a better vision for the people of Israel. And, and, and he, he let Nehemiah feel that through the, through the destruction and the hurt and the pain. He said, you have to do something about this. So from a, a better dream and a better vision, God said, now there's better action. Let's, let's do something. And he began to give Nehemiah the vision. And Nehemiah shared it with a team of people. And they began to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem because they, would, they were in trouble and they were in disgrace. Well, in Nehemiah 6.15, it says that the wall was completed. The wall around Jerusalem was complete, completed in 52 days. This is pretty awesome. All right? They don't have the technology we have today. What they couldn't do for 100 years, over 100 years, Nehemiah and the team did in 52 days. It's pretty cool. And then they celebrated. It was an awesome celebration. What, what Nehemiah did inspires others to say, we can do this if we seek God for the right things. If we trust him for the vision, we trust him for the action, we'll see better outcomes in our life. Really, um, in the story, we talked about how when, when they were halfway, he says the point of the story where, where the wall was halfway, they'd built half of it up. The enemies around began to come and mock and taunt and try to get the people to stop working. And they were the loudest at the moment when they were making the most progress. Like they were halfway. You know, can you imagine the people in Nehemiah if they got to the wall and said, you know what, that is good enough. It hasn't been this good in 100 years. Let's just leave it at halfway. I don't want to fight anybody. I don't want to, you know, deal with the people that are trying to beat us up. Let's just, let's just settle. You know what? Good enough, it never is good enough. Good enough really is less than. All right? When we settle for good enough, it's less than what, what should be. It's less than what could be. And it's never going to be better than. Does that make sense? I know that's a crazy little statement I just made, but 
It's, it's never, when we, when we choose good enough, we settle. And we never have the idea that there's more, there's better than we ever thought possible. And God is a God of better than. He's, he, he's saying, I, whatever your dream is, I have something better than that for your life. Whatever outcomes you're hoping for, I have better outcomes for your life than that. If you'll just trust me, if you'll, if you'll let me go. So most people don't get better then because they settle for good enough. You know, the right outcome is traded for the right now moment. Like, all right, I know what I want in life, but this looks really good, so I'm going to settle for this because, well, it's here. That's way down the road. Because outcomes are down the road, just choices and decisions are like right now. God is wanting to help us to see that the choices we make actually produce an outcome if we trust him and follow him. Mr. Right, Mr. Mr. Right or Mrs. Mrs. Right never comes along. You know why? Because people settle for Mr. Right now or Mrs. Right now. It's like, well, I know this is not really the person, but I'm going to settle. And you never get Mr. Right or Mrs. Right because you settled for right now. And God is saying we can't settle for things now. We have to look beyond that, how our choices are making. Out of the story of Nehemiah, we can learn this, that we can't forget to celebrate, all right, that, that God will give us success. We have to learn to celebrate. God will give us success. Uh, in, in the beginning of Nehemiah, the story, God, Nehemiah is asking God for favor and for help. God gives the, gives him favor with the king. He goes back to Jerusalem and, and meets with the leaders. God gives him favor. And he says this. He says, God will give us success. Like He's going to give us success. We can't stop. And then when they begin to make progress, the enemy comes and tries to stop them. But they don't. They push through. And they finish the wall in 52 days. I find it very interesting. As a church, every year we have 52 days that we're able to speak into people's lives. In 2017, as we get closer to 2017, what would it look like for us as a church if we had the heart like Nehemiah and the people of Jerusalem that said, you know what, there's things that are not right in our community. There, we, need a, we need to do something about this. And we came together and said, let's join our resources, our time, our, our gifts, our, our ability to help others together, and let's see what we can accomplish in 2017. What would we accomplish in 52 days just like Nehemiah and them did? I think great things. If we had that idea that God has better plans for our life, better action, if we'll team up with him. In fact, in Nehemiah 8.10, it says this. After they finished, um, after they finished the wall, uh, they, they begin to uh, turn their, their attention back to God, realizing like, wow, God helped us have a really good outcome here. Um, and, and they begin to read the law again. They begin to read the Bible, what God had for them. And, and they begin to realize how far they'd come away from that. And it says they begin to, to cry and mourn and they were upset because they realized that they had walked so far away from the plans that God had for their life. So Nehemiah comes and he says this. He says, all right, um, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send, send, some of the, send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. He says, don't grieve. Like This is not a moment for us to grieve. God gave us success. Let's celebrate. We'll continue to make progress to move forward with this moment. Let's just celebrate. Let's, let's thank God for the great outcomes that happen in our lives. And, and, and then he makes a statement that's really popular. One of, the, one of my favorite verses in the Bible says, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, when you find yourselves in circumstances and you're down, and maybe you have that negative self-talk coming, maybe you're having a hard time trying to make it through your week or your day, something's happened, somebody said something that makes you really mad, upset. Um, this verse is for you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You have to consider that no matter what you face in life, there's something better down the road if you will trust God, if you won't give up, if you won't stop. The joy of the Lord is our strength. When we're in God's plan, his will, there's something about knowing that he's in control and that no matter what's going on around us, we don't have to worry and freak out because he's going to help us down the, on, the, on the journey. He's going to have the outcomes that are going to unfold no matter what, um, what we think that's happening at the, same, at the time. Like we see something horrible, God is saying, I can take that. I can make it into something really good. Just trust me. Don't give up. 
Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. In fact, it says, it goes on in, the, in this chapter, it says that, that they celebrated. And there wasn't a celebration like that since the day of Joshua and the battles they had going in. Like, they were so ecstatic about what God did in their midst because the outcome that God produced. It's like, this is so awesome. God is so good. And they began to celebrate that they had it done in, in hundreds of years because it, it says the joy, that their joy was great. Why? Because they realized the outcome that God had for them. God has really good outcomes for your life if you'll trust him. And when, when they happen, you have to learn to be able to celebrate those outcomes and say, God, thank you for producing this in our lives. I told a story the last two weeks about a rabbi who's walking home. Um, and, he, and he comes to this gate on the way home. He takes the wrong turn and comes to this, this fence. And a voice from above says, who are you and what are you doing here? And the rabbi thinks, that's a great question. Who am I and what am I doing here? And as he's thinking about it, the voice comes again. Who are you and what are you doing here? And the teacher, the rabbi, thinks, I'm going to ask him a question back. So he says, um, how much did they pay you to ask that question? And so the voice from above the gate, he, he's a little upset now. The Roman centurion, he says, well, they pay me two denarii a week, Jew. Why? And the rabbi says, I will pay you double if you'll come to my house and ask me that every morning. Who are you? And what are you doing here? The story of this rabbi understands that if you answer these questions on a daily basis, you'll have the right inputs, which will give you the right outcomes or the right outputs in your life. When you don't answer those questions correctly and they're selfish answers, you will have negative and, and incorrect inputs and your outcomes will always be the negative and the ones you don't want. Who are you and what are you doing here? If we focus on the right inputs, we will always get the right outcomes. If you focus on the right inputs, you'll always get the right outcomes. This week, you're going to face a lot of different paths and a lot of different roads you can choose in your life. If you, if you ask God to lead you on the right one, he'll help you to be able to have the right inputs, the right choices, that you can have the outcomes that you really want anyways. He'll lead you on that. He'll help you. But we have to be about this process day to day. It's, it's more about who we're becoming, not just what we get, not just what we feel. Um, it's, 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 it's asking the questions, what are we focused on? Like, what are those things that are getting my attention? What are the things that bother me? Why do they bother me so much? That, that's helping you understand who you are and what you're doing here. That's, it's helping you understand what you're focused on. Is it, is it a selfish input? Or is it an input that's going to help you get down the road to, for better? See, one of the reasons the people in Israel find themselves throughout the Bible, not just Israel, but it's human, humanity, the reason we find ourselves in these circumstances that aren't good is because we neglect the principles that will give us good outcomes. So, the, so God told the people of Israel, if you follow my, my statute, you follow my principles, you'll have these kind of outcomes. But if you don't, here's going to be the results. It'll be circumstances that will come with it. There'll be consequences that come with it. And the people of Israel, they neglected God's instructions and went their own way. And they had to reap all of those consequences because they didn't listen. We find ourselves in those same predicaments a lot of times because we fail to follow God's plan in the first place. Um, when we ignore God's advice, we will find our, ourselves in similar situations as they did throughout scriptures. But when we follow his ways, we always find ourselves in better circumstances and have better outcomes um, when we don't want that. So... Um, Proverbs 3, 5 and 7, written by um, Solomon, King Solomon. He, he asked God when he was a young king for wisdom. And God granted his request. God came and said, all right, Solomon, you're a young king. Uh, I'll give you one. I'll grant one of your requests. What do you want from me? And Solomon says, well, I need wisdom to lead this country because I'm young. And God was so pleased with his answer that he said, because you didn't ask for, for fame and for wealth and for all this stuff, I'm, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to include all this other stuff with it. And he blesses Solomon with, with, with wisdom that was so amazing that people from all around the world would travel to him to ask him advice and get his wisdom. Pretty, pretty awesome. 
Well, in, his, in, in, in the books he wrote, a few, few different ones he wrote, Proverbs is one of them where he gives advice to us, to his kids, to others. Um, he didn't always follow his own advice. Sometimes he, he, he did the opposite advice, and he had negative outcomes because of it. But in this circumstance, in this situation, he's saying if, if, you want, if you want the kind of outcome God has for your life, you have to have the right input and the right choices. And in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, he says it like this. Solomon says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. So what he's saying, trust. The idea of trust is being vulnerable, saying, all right, I, I'm not really in control at this moment, but I'm going to trust you to get me through. I'm going to trust you for something better. Trust God with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. What happens to our heart and our lives and our, in, our, in our lives is we tend to, to focus on the looks of things. We tend to focus on what we feel, and those things can lead us astray. If we're focused on just the external stuff and what we feel, they can lead us astray. And, pro, and Solomon, is cha, Solomon is challenging that idea. He's saying, don't look to yourself. Don't look to your own emotions, your own feelings, but look to what God has. He has something better for you. Lean on him. Don't lean on, on popular culture. Don't lean on your, your own experience. Don't lean on your past experience. Saying, stop leaning on that stuff for advice and lean on God. Lean towards God. In all your ways, submit to him. Like, let him be the one. Remember we talked about independence? That's really the, the big issue we're trying to overcome when it comes to outputs and outcomes. Is If, if we learn to submit our, our choices to God, our life to God, he helps us to make better choices and better decisions. And then we have better outcomes. He shows up in a, in a great way if we learn to submit to him, to acknowledge him in the middle of this. And it says to him, he'll make your path straight. See, the outcomes that we will face one day, it's not, we don't get outcomes because we hope for them one day. We don't get them because we intend to get them one day. And, and it's wishful thinking. Outcomes that we have in life are because we're on a path that's going to lead us there. If you find yourself in a good marriage in 20 years, it's because at some point you got on a path that's leading you to a good marriage in 20 years. If you find yourself a successful professional, it's because you got on a path to get you to become a successful professional. If you find yourself a healthy individual in 20 or 30 years, it's because you got on a path to get you there. And every single day you took a step towards that direction, and all of a sudden you wake up and realize, oh, wow, this is exactly the outcome I wanted in life in the first place. But if you get on the path of selfishness, you get on the path of only what's going to um, benefit you, you will find yourself with an outcome, but it's going to be the outcome of, wow, I really never accomplished anything with my life. Because the, the inputs that we put on a daily basis will eventually lead us there. It's the path that we're on, not the intention of our heart, not the feelings that we go through that get us there. It's the path that we choose to get on. And this is what Solomon is saying. Make sure you choose the right path. And if you want to know how to choose the right path, Man, submit your ways to God, and he will, he'll, he'll make your path straight. He'll direct you on that path. He'll help you to get there. When, what he's saying is when we find ourselves with a worldview that's contrary to God's worldview, man, push that to the side. Don't lean on that. Trust God for his worldview, for his way. Um, there's, there's a coach, um, Nick Saban. He's a college football coach, and he has this philosophy. He's been very successful winning a lot of championships, um, he has this philosophy that um, instead of focusing on the outcome, the, the championship, I mean, that is the goal. They want to eventually accomplish that, but that's not the priority. What, what he, he decided is let's, let's focus on all the little processes, the little inputs on a daily basis that people face, and then we'll have the right outcomes. If you focus on the right inputs, you'll get the right outcomes. So what he decided to do is how can we encourage our, our players to be excellent students? How can we encourage our, our players to be excellent people in their work, excellence in all of the different areas of our life? 
And so what he does, he tells his players, be excellent in this. When it's, when it's time to work out in the gym, be excellent in your workout. Now, what he found is, is they win so many championships because all of those little inputs and the choice to get on the path leads them to the outcome they want, not because they wanted that outcome, but because they did the things that's going to lead them to that outcome. Does that make sense? And, and so they're very successful as a team because they put all these little um, steps in place to get there. You know, last, last week I, wrote, I read a, a scripture from Ezekiel where God is asking the question to the people of Israel. He says this, uh, in the middle of these circumstances where the walls are broken down and, 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 and people need something, he, Ezekiel says, um, through, God speaking through Ezekiel said, Ezekiel 22:30, I look for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. We said last week that God is always looking for people to help others have better outcomes. Like he's looking for individuals to say, well, you use your life for something beyond yourself. Nehemiah came and said, hey, we can do something. We come together and partner up. One of the stories I want to tell you last week, I didn't get to tell you, but I want to tell you today. I have a friend that went down to Portales a few years back to be a pastor of a church down there. Kelly, you guys, you guys heard him last two summers. One of, our, one of our overseers, he comes each summer and speaks here. Well, when he went down to Portales, he went to this church, it was a really old church, and he's trying to help, help them to get young, get healthy again. And so for a few years, it's just a battle. Um, a lot of things are happening within the church. It's hard to be the, the leader of that church. But then there's also this, this, this spiritual battle. Uh, so as, 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 a, as a pastor, as a Christian, there's a lot of the, what I believe in the spiritual realm where it's unseen, it's unknown. There's this dynamic that, that's supernatural. That you, don't, you don't really see it, but it's still there. Um, the Bible calls it spiritual warfare. It talks about, uh, the Bible says that there's an enemy that we can't see. Um, the same way we can't see God, there's an enemy that we can't see that wants to stop and wants to bring destruction into our lives. We talked a little about that last week. Um, and so there was this, this, I would say a battle um, that was warring for his family, for him. It was so intense that they had a hard time sleeping at night. Um, they, they ended up getting really sick. His kids got sick, and um, his, it, it was just a, it was a struggle. They were in circumstances that, like like the people of Israel, the walls were broken down, and it just was not healthy. And he thought the only answer was, I need to get out of here. I need to get out of ministry. I need to stop being a pastor. I need to go do something else and, and quit. Well, before he, before he made that decision, somebody in his church ended up sending him to a uh, um, uh, this retreat, this conference. And, and they paid for his way, and they sent him off for the weekend. And he went, and... Uh, the first night that he was there, his wife slept through the whole night, and his kids slept through the whole night, and and he slept for the first time in a long time through the whole night. And at this retreat, he's you know he's he's learning, he's growing, being challenged. The next night, he sleeps through the whole night. His his family sleeps through the whole night. He comes back after three days, and he tells his wife, "You'll never guess, I slept through the whole night. I feel like rested finally." And his wife says, "That was us. The kids never woke up once. We slept good." She told him. I almost thought about calling you and telling you not to come back because I miss sleep so much. She's like, I wanted to keep sleeping because it was so good. I had that kind of sleep for, for a long time. Well, well, it turns out that at this, at this retreat, this conference, what happens is um, they sponsor these pastors to go. And while the pastor is gone, there's these individuals from different churches that say, we're going to cover that family in prayer for 24 hours a day. So for three days, there's an individual who will pray for an hour, and then somebody else will pick up the next hour and pray for an hour, and so forth through the whole, the whole time, the weekend. So my friend Callie and his family, somebody was praying for them 24 hours a day around the clock for three days. And the reason they were sleeping is because, like God is saying here in the story, I'm looking for somebody to stand in the gap who will just do something to help others. And these people, 
They said, you know, I'm not really a pastor. I can't get in front and talk, but I can pray for an hour. And they prayed for this family. And then the first, for, for the first time in years, they were able to sleep. Well, from this, what happens is he eventually says, I'm not going to quit. Like, God is speaking to us. We need to do more. We can't back off. Remember the story of Nehemiah? They're halfway. They, they could have settled. That's kind of where he was at. He could have, Kelly could have said, you know what? Man, we've been here three or four years. That's good enough. We, we tried. It was good. It was really hard to be here. They could have settled and given up, but they didn't. And then just within a short period of time after this retreat, uh, God began to encourage them. They started a ministry for college students in, in eastern New Mexico and Portales at Eastern, the, the college there. Um, and, and they began to impact the, the college in, in, in incredible ways. Um, they would have football players, these big football players, and they would come, and the whole team, a lot of the, the team got saved and committed life to Christ. It was amazing. And story after story of what God just began to do and, and impact. And that church went through that really difficult time. His family went through a difficult time. And they came out on their side way better. And they've accomplished some amazing things in Portales because he didn't give up. And the out, outcomes that they're seeing now are amazing. Like you would have never thought like the story. If he told you the story of the first few years, you'd be like, man, nothing good's going to come to this church. And they pushed through. And then you see what God is doing. It's, it, they didn't give up. They kept pushing through. They realized a better outcome because they didn't stop. They didn't give up. The enemy didn't win. In your life, how many times have maybe you stopped too early because it got hard? Because, man, it, it required more work. It required a commitment. You know, in, in 2017, we're going to be a part of a network uh, of churches that are going to pray for our state around the clock for 24 hours a day. Um, so there's going to be 30, 31 churches that are committing to, to be a part of this network, this team. And each church is going to pick a day. So we're going to pick a day, say maybe the 21st, whatever day we decide to pick. And we're going to have 24 people in our church that says, you know what, I'll commit to praying for one hour on the 21st of each month. So 12 times a year, uh, our church would, would stand in the gap for 24 hours, period. And, and there's going to be, I think there's going to be more than 30 churches. There'll probably end up being about 100 churches around our state that we're going to just pray. God, you need, you need to fix things in New Mexico. We're, 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 we are on the highest list of the worst lists, all right? Education, fatherlessness. Um, there's a lot of horrible things that, that happen in our state, poverty, um, that are going on. Now, and so pastors are saying, we're sick of it. We're like Nehemiah. We, we need to do something about it. It has to start with the church, so let's do something. So 2017, there's going to be a lot of churches that are going to partner together and pray for the whole year. You know, I think it's going to make a big impact, not just for 2017, but for the future, because God will begin to change things. Why? Because the outcomes he has for New Mexico are better than what they are now. I know that for sure. But it has to start with us. Nehemiah said it has to start with me as an individual. So I'll be on that list. I'll be praying on that day, whatever day it is we're going to do. Maybe one of you would say, I'll, I'll commit to an hour. That's a way to do something, right? Like we talked about, the, the, uh, Anna, she sponsored a kid from China. That's awesome. I could do something. It's about doing something that's going to produce a good outcome for others. And when we do God's way, it always produces something good in our own life as well. Um. Our thoughts that lead to actions, our actions will lead to outcomes. Remember, garbage in, garbage out. So things that we're allowing in will eventually spill out into our life. They'll, they'll, they'll influence our outcomes in our life. We can't, we can't go back and make things right as a dad. I can't go back and become a dad again for my son or my daughter. Like, I have to get it right now. So what are those inputs that I have to be putting, those processes, those actions that I need to be taking now so that I can be, have a healthy relationship with my son when he's uh, 20 or 30? So I took him out yesterday, and I had the, the sex talk, you know. I want, I want the first person to hear, hear from about sex is me, not his friends, because you know they're going to mess that up, right? 
I'm like, I don't want his friends telling him about anything. So we sat down and I asked him questions and, and, and said, Joaquin, we have to talk about this stuff. Don't let it be weird. Why? Because that's a correct input for him to be a healthy person down the road, right? What are the inputs that we need to put in with my wife? How do I want to have a healthy marriage in 20 years, 30 years? When my kids leave the house, I want us to be healthier and better and stronger than we were before. So what are the inputs I need to put now? What are the things I have to put in place to be able to get the outcomes that I really want? So here's our challenge, all right? Our challenge is this. Trust God for the best outcomes. Trust God for the better than life. Trust God. Remember Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lead not in your understanding, but acknowledge him. He'll, he'll direct your paths. He'll help you. Would you trust God? This week, you're going to have a lot of decisions to make, all right? 2017 is coming up. You have to make some new decisions. What things do you want to change? How many of you guys want to get out of debt? If you have debt, man, that's a great thing, to, a goal to put on. Well, what are the right decisions and choices you have to make to be able to get the outcome you want? Trust God. Choosing the right path, it starts with submission, not information. Trusting God, God says, I'm going to submit to you in my area, all these areas of my life that, um, that you're asking me to, rather than just trusting myself, rather than waiting for somebody else to fix it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to acknowledge you and lead into you, God. So that's my challenge for you um, this week, is just trust God for better outcomes. This week, what, what, what kind of outcomes? This is why Sundays are so important that we gather on Sundays. We start our week off by saying, God, I'm putting you first. That always helps. You know, some of our guys in my, my small group, when they miss Sundays, they're like, man, I really miss Sunday. It, it helps me. Or if they miss their small group, they're like, man, I really miss their small group because it encouraged me to keep that perspective in front of me to keep going fo- forward and doing healthy things. It's important that we have those things in our process in our life to help us to have better outcomes because they're reminding us of who we are and what we're doing here. When I remind myself on a daily basis of who I am and I answer it from God's perspective, man, it's, it makes things a lot different. As, as, a, as a child of God, I, I know I have his support, his help to accomplish things that I can't accomplish otherwise. Uh, every week we've, um, we've ended with this scripture. This series is not a political one, but it applies to everything we're facing as a nation. And in, in 1 Timothy, Paul is, is, is challenging us to pray for those around us, especially leaders. So I'm going to read this as we end this, this service today. 1 Timothy 2, 2-6, through 6, it says this, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. You want better outcomes? Learn to pray, all right? Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Pray for leaders. Pray for those around that, that, that are in authority. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. We want better outcomes. We have to seek God. And his heart is for this. Right? This is that verse I just read. I'm going to read it again. This is God's heart for our city, for your family members, for people around you. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there's one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. God always shows up at just the right time. You know, today I've, I've, I've been speaking about better outcomes in our life. There's people in this room, you've experienced a lot of horrible outcomes. Some because you've chosen those things, some because others have chosen those for you. Can I tell you today, God wants to turn that around and use those things, use those outcomes for something better. He wants to invite you in a relationship where he begins to lead you and guide you. And in Timothy, it says that God wants everyone to be saved. Like there's people in this room, you're not saved. What that means is you're far from God. 
our sin that we've chosen to do, it separates us from God. It keeps us away from the family of God. It keeps us away from God's plan in our life. And and God is saying, "I, I want you to be part of my family. I want you to have better outcomes in your life. But it starts with you taking responsibility for your actions, responsibility for your choices, and recognize that you need God's help. And so for today, as I, most of what I've been talking about, it applies to whether you're a Christian or not. You know, good out input is going gonna, is gonna to help have good out, outcomes and output. Just like negative will, will give you negative, that applies to anybody. That's a principle. But the reason we teach these principles is because out of the Bible, God is trying to lead us to something better. And I believe it starts with us acknowledging that we can't do life without God. And some of you today have tried to do life without God for too long. Like Adam and Eve, they chose to go their way. And the results and the consequences of their sin produce death. And until you fix the main thing with God, you'll always have consequences of death in your life. So the best thing I can encourage you to do is if you're here today and you recognize that you're, you're separated from God, the choices you made this week or this life are not, have not been good, and today you need to make them right, I would say start there. You want better outcomes? Start by saying, God, I put my trust in you. I invite you to lead me and guide me. Do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your head today as we, as we uh, wrap up? If the, if the team could come on up to get ready to play. If you're here today and you know you're, you don't have the right standing with God, the right relationship with God, you need to change that. I would like to lead you in a prayer. It's an invitation of you asking God to, to lead you and to guide you. The Bible says that when we confess our sins, God is faithful and he's just to forgive us of those sins. When we recognize our wrongdoing, God steps up and says, I forgive you of that. And he gives us a new start, a fresh start. You don't have to wait to 2017 to have a new year, a new start. It can start today. If you're here today and you would like to say that prayer, say, I need God's help. Would you do me a favor and just raise your hand? Awesome. You want better outcomes in your life? Awesome. I see your hands. I see your hands. Anybody else? Time? For all you to raise your hand, I'm going to ask you just to repeat a prayer after me. This is where I have to start saying, God, I trust you by saying, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. So if you raise your hand, would you pray this prayer? If you're a Christian, a Christ follower, would you join us in praying with them? They're not praying alone. Say this, say, Father God, today I need your help. I am lost without you. Please forgive me of my sin, of my poor choices. I invite you to lead me and guide me. I believe you died on that cross for me. I believe you're alive today and that you have good plans for my life. Would you be my father? Would you be my God? Today I trust in you. I put my trust in you. Lead me on the path that you have for me. In Jesus' name I pray.